can do it. All right, I want to open tonight by greeting the, uh, our audience that might be watching on YouTube or listening on a podcast. You're going to notice this is a much shorter video, much shorter sermon. The reason for that is we have spent some time here tonight talking in our group about this topic, the church. And, and I want you that are listening or watching to do that, your own homework. What does a church mean to you? What does it look like? Um, what is your experience with it? Inventory that and work through it because over the next several weeks and months, we're going to take a journey into the book of Acts to take a look at what the early church looked like. And I don't mean verse by verse, step by step, but highlight to highlight, watch the church grow, watch her expand. And it might shock you that it isn't exactly this well-oiled machine that you've been taught through the church that it was, that the book of Acts is what we ought to be heading towards. It was this fledgling, it's kind of like an infant turning into a toddler and they're knocking all kinds of stuff over. And you're going to watch that happen in the book of Acts. And it doesn't mean they were wrong, it just means they were human. And it gets us off the hook that we too are fledgling sometimes. I probably won't share all of the scriptures that I would have if we had a full amount of time, but there's a couple of things I do want to share in regards to the church. Let's start with the word itself, ecclesia. Ecclesia is the Greek word that is commonly translated as church. In the Old Testament, and specifically, I want to say the Septuagint. The Septuagint is our oldest extant Bible, and technically it is the Greek translation out of the Hebrew, and so it used Greek in the place of the old Hebrew words. Therefore, Ecclesia actually shows up in the Old Testament Septuagint, but it's never translated as church. It's translated as assembly, or it's translated as those called out. What you will notice is that there's no implication in the Greek word Ecclesia of any kind of formal organization, and there is no type of building attached to the Ecclesia. And also, and this one to me has been sort of life-changing for me, honestly, Ecclesia is decidedly plural. Ecclesia is never singular, which leads me to this statement. There is no such thing as I am the church because I is decidedly singular. There is no one-person church. The Ecclesia is called out gathering. It's always plural. You can't have one-person churches. You're at least with someone else, which is why isolationism only works for so long in Christianity because you eventually begin to shrivel because you aren't having the communication that you need. There's a reason why we need one another uh, and we keep turning inward, inward, inward as we push people away. The church is to fling wide the doors of your heart, as painful as that might be. The church is to work that sort of that therapy of being together. That's the ecclesia. Let me show you the first usage in the Old Testament, the first usage in the New Testament, Both of those will help us to understand this word. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. I'm going to give you a couple verses of context to lead you in. What great nation is there that God has so near to it? The Lord our God is to us. Whatever reason we may call upon Him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? Of course, we're talking about Israel and Judah. That's the context. That's the immediate context. That's going to help us when we understand where this goes next. Look at 9. Especially concerning the day, oh, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself. No, did I skip one? No, I skipped one. You skipped one. Okay, there you go. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. I needed this because we're in the middle of a sentence, and I didn't want to start. Um, in the, I didn't want to just read the middle. Especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Ecclesia, the people to me. 
All right, Septuagint would show you the word ecclesia right there. There's the Bible's first usage of church. Gather the people to me and I will let them hear my words that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth that they may teach their children. In other words, the first time the Bible mentions the church, it's God saying, gather the people together. That's what the church is. It's why you're not the church, but you are part of the church. And the church is when we gather together. It's why what we do here on Tuesday night, whether we have a church sign, we don't. Whether we have a church name, we don't. Church creed, church constitution, we don't. But we have a church because we gather. We gather regularly from our, from our lives. We call out from our lives to one another, and therefore it becomes a church. Here's your New Testament reference from Matthew 16, 18. Jesus says, Also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. This is Ecclesia. On Peter I'm going to build my Ecclesia. Here's two points. One, you don't build churches. Pastors don't build churches. Church construction teams don't build churches. Contractors don't build churches. Lead pastors, executive pastors, vision casters. We don't build churches. We build organizations. And that's okay. We build structures. Hmm, that's fine. But we don't build churches. Jesus builds the church. And when you get involved in building the church, you're in the wrong business. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to call people out of their sin. You don't know how to call people out of their shame. You don't know how to gather them together. Only Christ knows how to do that. It's why Christ crucified the centerpiece of the gospel message because he jams all of us through the death of his cross so that he can release us through his resurrection. That's a church. And so we don't do that. What we do is we assemble people in rooms and count numbers and take up offerings and build buildings. And some of that's needed, but we don't build churches. We also don't build it because we don't do what Jesus does. I say to you, you are Peter on this rock. Now, this is a little bit of, um, you, I don't know if it's comedy or irony or just comparative narrative. Peter's name is Petros. It means rock in the Greek. And so Jesus goes, you're a rock, but on this rock, I'm going to build my church. What might Jesus have meant? I think he meant the context. Watch this whole story. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples and said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? What's the revelation about me that you're hearing on the street? What do people think about Jesus? It's a great question. They said, Some people think you're John the Baptist. John, by the way, has just got his head cut off. So they think you've raised from the dead. Some people think you're Elijah. Some people think you're Jeremiah. Maybe one of the other prophets. Forget that, Jesus says. Who do you say that I am? Because here comes the foundation of what the church is. Because the church is not what brother so-and-so says about Jesus. It's who do you think that I am? This is the entrance to the church. Ready? This is how you get in. What do you think about Jesus? That's what Jesus asks. Who do you think that I am? 16. Simon said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him, boom, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. That's in my new book, by the way. Simon, son of Jonah. Come on. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. Look at that. That's the revelation of salvation right there. Who's Christ? Christ is the Son of the living God. 
I didn't get this revealed to me because I got talked into it, because I got invited to something. I had a revelation of Jesus. I didn't have it revealed to me by flesh and blood. I had it revealed to me by the Spirit. Boom, that's where Jesus builds his church. He builds it on the back of revelation, not on the back of knowledge and pledge drives and attendance pushes and family days. He builds it on revelation. And how does that start? You love people, you accept people, you receive people, you commune with people, you don't judge them. You don't slap them. You don't beat them. You don't try to steal their money. You don't knock them down. You just take them in. You don't fix them. You just dream with them and you embrace them. And that's what Jesus does. Blessed are you. Flesh and blood didn't tell you this. My father told you this. And I say to you, you're Peter. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church in the gates of it. What's he building it on? He's building it on the revelation that we have in knowing who Jesus is. And that's how the church grows. And that's how the church explodes. Paul says this in Ephesians 4.4. There's one body. There's one spirit. Just as you who were called in one hope of your calling. This is not ecclesia. I wish it, it would be cool if it was. There is one ecclesia. It's not. It's... It's the Greek word literally for body, not corpse, but for collection, a, a body, um, a group. But notice that Paul's definition of the church is one body, not 15 bodies, one body possessed of one Holy Spirit, and that's how we were called. So we were not called to be Baptists or Catholics or Episcopals or non-denominationals. We were called by the Messiah into one body. Now what we did is we segmented off into camps and tribes and I'm not cutting that down. I actually think it's to be expected. We like to run with people that think like us. It's okay. The problem is, is when you run with people that think like you and exclude people that don't. And that's where we start getting ourselves into trouble. And we're really prone to do that. Ooh, I like this guy. We ought to, this is, these are the kind of people we want. Ooh, I don't know about them. And then not only do I not know about them, uh-oh, I'm not even sure they're saved. Oh, those guys are lost. That church is of the devil. That happens pretty quickly as we start to sort of break that thing down. Um, I want to, let me, I'm going to skip my, I had some church and development texts, but it's off in the book of Acts. And we're going to work Acts over the next weeks and months. We're going to work that book and we're going to watch the church go from plural, from a singular thought to a plural thought to individual cells and people's houses and all of that. Instead, let's put up my one paragraph I had left there, Brian. New Testament church was the gathering of saints anywhere, not specifically in a building dedicated for such. As the narrative unfolds, and what I really mean is the book of Acts. As it unfolds, the word is used to describe individual assemblies. It's also used to describe the corporate body as a whole. So it's not wrong to say, I go to such and so church. You don't have to be the theology police, the Greek police, and go, oh, you don't go to the church, you are the church. It's okay, you are the church, but you actually go to a church as well. We get precedent for that kind of language from the book of Acts. We don't have to knock people down. They are both the church and they go to church. And we're going to find that the book of Acts starts to develop that. Then as you get into the epistles, Paul starts to write to individual churches. That doesn't mean buildings. That means people within the confines of a town. By the time you get to the end of the Bible, you have the seven churches of Asia spread out over seven cities. Once again, maybe not seven buildings, but seven distinct kinds of people. And I think that means we all sort of fit into that umbrella of seven. That's us across time. This is going to be quite a run. We're going to have a good time studying the book of Acts. I want to encourage you and the audience, check out the book of Acts. Do a little slow walk through it. 
But go through it, not just looking for what you've looked for before. Because if you're like me, I used to only read the book of Acts for the Holy Ghost. What's Pentecost look like? That's great. But just watch the church be born. Watch her fledgling, legs kicking, slobbering all over herself, doesn't know what she's doing, making mistakes right and left. But watch how the Holy Spirit works that. I want to pray tonight. Not, I, we didn't do a lot of word. We threw a few things at you at the church. But in this room, we shared hearts about what the church looks like. I hope those who listen and watch will inventory what they say, look, think the church looks like, and then go on this ride with us. But I want to pray for each of you and your personal vision and experience for the church, both healing for what needs healed and blessing and anointing on that part of you that has found that kind of comfort in the church. Let's do that. Father, thank you tonight for this group. I can't thank you enough. What I experience in my friends in this room has become one of the most important things that I personally do all week long, every week. And I found out tonight through their talk, through their heart, that so many of them feel the same way. I also know that we have a lot of conceptions about church. We have our own ideas and we have our own experiences and that we've had to make choices sometimes to lay the bad down so that we can hold on to that which is fruitful. Help us to let go. There's a few things I need to let go about the church past that it still pricks me inside like a thorn and I find myself getting irritated and I don't want to be. I'm a new creation. I want that part of Paul White to die and I want to let go of that stuff. And if there's anyone here, anyone watching that feels the same way, they got that church thing in their head and they need to let go of it, help us let go. Show us how to put that through the cross so we can see a brand new life on the other side. And I also pray favor blessings on those parts, Father, that we have found that are fruitful, that are life-giving. That if it's our assembly of believers together or it's the fact that we find church to be a place of safety, as someone said, and comfort and where we get to be accepted for who we are, then bless that and prosper it. And Father, let that be what we remember when we think of the assembly of believers. We thank you for what you're doing in this house, what you've done the last four years, and what I know, because you don't know how to go backwards, what you are inevitably doing around the next corner as you prepare our hearts for it in unity, in fellowship, and in love. In Jesus' name, amen.